0: In 1998, Michael Bay, Bruce Willis, and Liv Tyler presented the world with a story about an impending, world-ending asteroid impact. The appropriately titled film Armageddon was incredibly entertaining, but left audiences wondering, what would happen if an asteroid was actually heading for Earth? Last month, some of the world's top space agencies tried to answer that with a mission that aimed to knock an asteroid off its path. So today, we're gonna take a step back and talk about what we did and why exactly we did it, in another discussion on the sidelines. Joining us on the sidelines today to talk about the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, is Mitch Cornell, a PhD candidate in mechanical engineering at McGill University investigating space robotics and a science for everyone researcher. Thanks for joining us, Mitch. Thanks for having me. So Mitch, first things first, um i have to ask have you ever seen or read the movie the martian both both seen and read because i couldn't help but notice how your name is oddly similar to a character from from that story rich Purnell, um who actually ends up saving the day in the end what impact has the martian had on your career as uh, as a space engineer
1: yeah um the first time i read that book i was already kind of on this path towards space engineering it took me by surprise a little bit at first i was like oh my god that's that's almost me um and it made me hope that one day you know i can be the hero in the story but definitely a great book great movie for anybody who hasn't watched it
0: or read it go and do so now excellent so getting to the topic at hand what exactly was the dart mission Can you describe sort of the basic summary of it? Yeah. So the DART mission
1: was a test basically to prove that we have the ability to save ourselves if an asteroid were heading towards Earth. And DART moved this asteroid by just crashing into it. So there have been a bunch of different proposed ways that we might be able to redirect an asteroid that's heading towards Earth and, you know, may wipe out life or may destroy a city. So DART was our first chance to show that we can actually redirect an
0: asteroid that was heading towards Earth. Okay, so who, who was involved in this mission? Was this NASA? Was this Russia? Was this China? Or was it a combination between them? This mission was primarily done
1: by NASA and a bunch of different universities and organizations in the U.S. They did have some help from the Italian Space Agency. But I should mention that there are also follow-up missions coming specifically from the European Space Agency with the upcoming
0: CARA mission. Okay. Um, So you said that this technology involves just crashing a spacecraft into this asteroid. Is there there anything more to it than that? Or are we literally just hurling tech at balls of rock in space? Yeah, that's pretty much
1: it. Uh, But the reason why this is so effective is you have things that are moving several kilometers a second crashing into something else in space. So they're delivering a lot of momentum, a lot of energy into these asteroids, and that causes
0: the orbits to change quite significantly. How much does one invest in a piece of technology that you intend to just crash into something?
1: Yeah, the sticker price might scare some people when you're right, it's just a test at this point. So dark cost about $325 million US dollars, quite a bit of money, But when you think about the fact that one day we might use this technology to save a city, to save maybe even all of humanity, I think it's a reasonable price to pay to prove to ourselves that we can save ourselves if this situation becomes real.
0: Okay. What asteroid did we redirect? And why did we choose one of the, potentially my understanding, millions of asteroids out there to test our technology on?
1: Yeah. So we went after the Didymus binary asteroid system. So this is an asteroid system where you have a central asteroid and then a smaller asteroid orbiting it. So it's kind of like how the Earth has the moon orbiting it. And the smaller asteroid is called Dimorphous, and that's the one that we actually crashed DART into. There's a few reasons why we went for this system specifically. So the Dimorphous asteroid is about the size of one of the asteroids that we'd be interested in redirecting. About the size of something that might wipe out like a province or maybe even have significant impacts to an entire continent. So it wasn't too far away. It was of the size that we were interested in. And the fact that it was in a binary system meant that we could very quickly see the impacts of this test. So if we went after a solo asteroid that was just orbiting the earth or orbiting the sun, since that takes such a long time to orbit whatever it's going around, it would take us a really long time to be sure of what our test actually did. But since Dimorphos orbits around Didymus in something like 11 hours, we're able to see the impacts of those tests relatively quickly. So we can see how much we changed the orbital period of Dimorphos around Didymus very quickly.
0: You alluded to it briefly, but I want to kind of get some more details. You said that this the size of the asteroid that we're interested in could potentially wipe out like a province or a continent or something like that. Could you, could you speak more to what the impacts of an asteroid would be if it was to collide with Earth? Like I know that in this particular case this asteroid didn't pose a threat to us. This was a test, but naturally the technology is intended for when we are actually under threat. So, just how big are these threats?
1: Yeah, so there's a few different categories of asteroids that we're interested in. The big ones that are over a kilometer in size, those are civilization ending. That's the end of life as we know it. We've found pretty much all of these asteroids, though, and we know that none of them are significant risk in the next you know, hundreds of years. Like we're safe from those. Then there's the category of asteroids from about 140 meters up to a kilometer. And those are the ones that are going to take out a regional area up to a province, up to a continent type thing. So it wouldn't end life necessarily, but we're talking about a significant event, maybe killing billions of people. We have only found about 40% of these asteroids, unfortunately. So there's still 60% of them floating around there that we don't know if they pose a risk to us. The 40% that we found, we know we have at least 100 years of being safe from them. Then there's another category of asteroids from 50 meters to 140 meters. And those are kind of like the city killers. So they might take out Toronto. They might take out Montreal. And we found even less of these. And the reason why we're having trouble finding them is because they're relatively small when you consider how big space is. Like trying to see something that's only 50 meters, it's really difficult. But it's not all doom and gloom. There are missions that are being launched by NASA and by the European Space Agency that are going to complement each other in trying to detect these relatively unknown populations. So we should expect to see these numbers of 40% and less than 40% starting to increase once
0: these missions are launched. And I believe they're launching around 2026. Okay, so clearly this is something we're looking for. What are the odds that something slips through the cracks? Like how good are we at finding these asteroids? Right now, we're not great
1: because we're primarily looking from Earth. And looking from Earth poses some problems. Like you have the atmosphere in the way. If you have bad weather on one day, you'll miss something. So once we have those new missions up and running, we'll be doing a lot better. But at this point, we will likely have some kind of warning that it's coming from us. The issue is just how much warning will we have? So it's really easy to redirect something when it's far away
0: from Earth, but the closer it gets, the harder that problem gets to solve. Speaking of that warning, let's say that a space agency, let's say it's NASA for the sake of the example, does identify a threat. There is an asteroid coming towards Earth. We expect it to collide with the planet. How would the average person hear about that? What kind of of warning would we get? I don't know
1: the answer to that 100%. And I don't know how much warning they would want to give us until they have a plan. Humans, I don't know, I feel like we're really bad at responding to crises. So I can't imagine the government would want to say, hey, there's an asteroid heading towards us, and we might be able to save ourselves. I feel like they would want to say, hey, there's an asteroid coming towards us, and we have a plan, or we have successfully redirected it at this point. So It's an interesting sociology type question that I definitely do not have the answer to, but it would be really interesting to see what they would actually tell us.
0: Getting back to DART itself, was this test successful? Did we actually move the asteroid to a degree that we think is significant?
1: Yeah, this test was hugely successful. So the success criteria was changing the orbit of Dimorphos by about 0.2%. It was about 72 seconds of its orbit that they wanted to see the change. And they ended up changing it by about 4.5%. So they exceeded their mission goal by something like 25 times. So this showed that this test was massively successful. Not only did it deflect the asteroid by a lot, we hit the target like dead on. We did basically everything exactly the way we wanted it to happen. Okay, so how far away did this mission take place from Earth? It was about 11 million kilometers away from Earth, so quite a ways out there. And we had quite a few telescopes looking at it, so we were able to know where it was. And
0: DART itself had its onboard camera, so it could lock on to Dimorphos as it was traveling towards it. 11 million kilometers. That's a mind-bogglingly large number That it's hard to conceptualize. Where? How far exactly is that? Are we talking like... It was on the way to the moon or like beyond Pluto? Where was this?
1: Eleven million kilometers is an insanely large distance. We're looking at something that's happening between kind of the moon and Mars. So the moon is about four hundred thousand kilometers away, and Mars is about a hundred million kilometers away. We're looking,
0: you know, somewhere in between those two. At those insane distances how do we know that we were successful is it just like oh we got the communication cut off from dart must have worked it must have crashed
1: that was actually part of it there's a great video online of the team watching the images coming in from dart and the image feed cuts off and that to them is hey we hit it because the last images coming in were just the asteroid getting closer and closer and closer and then all of a sudden there's nothing there was also a lot of telescopes on Earth watching this happen. The James Webb Space Telescope was watching it happen. But also, we had the Lichia Cube, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, satellite, which was developed by the Italian Space Agency. It flew along with DART for quite a while, and then DART released it so that it could specifically watch this impact happen and make measurements of the Didymus binary asteroid system after that impact between DART and Dimorphos.
0: To make another pop culture reference, last year, there was this movie called Don't Look Up, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, with a really similar sort of idea. But in that film, there there was this impending doom from space, but instead of an asteroid, it was a comet. So real quick, can you just describe the difference between an asteroid and a comet, for those that don't know? For sure, they're actually really similar. An asteroid is primarily made up of
1: rock and metal, whereas a comet is primarily made up of ice with some rock and metal mixed into it. I had a professor during my undergrad who liked to call asteroids snowy rock balls, and he liked to call comets rocky snowballs. So
0: they're similar. Main thing is that comets are mainly ice. Asteroids are mainly rock. Would this kind of technology work on comets as well, or is it only really effective for asteroids? It should also work on comets. The main idea is that we're putting energy into this asteroid or into this comet so that we can change its orbital trajectory. So it should work for either. Okay. So in Don't Look Up, one of the main ideas that's proposed was to just launch the biggest nuke we had at this thing to, like you say, just put a bunch of kinetic energy into it and hope to move it. Why aren't we just doing that? We have a whole lot of bombs that work really well. Why not just launch them at asteroids?
1: So there's actually been proposals to use nuclear weapons to blow up asteroids. There's a few peculiarities that come up with trying to blow up an asteroid. So there have been a few studies that show if we wanted to, say, use a nuke to actually blow up an asteroid rather than just change its trajectory, it's really, really difficult to actually blow these things up. And if you manage to blow it up, there's a chance that The gravity of these asteroids, like there would probably still be some relatively large core that might just cause all of the parts that you blow off to kind of reassemble back into that asteroid. And then you're back in the same problem. Or maybe you fracture it into 15 large enough pieces that are still going to impact the Earth and cause some issue. So what you really want to do is just change the path of these asteroids. Because then you're sure that you're not ending up with just a whole bunch of smaller, still problematic asteroids coming towards Earth. But we've also just shown with DART that you don't really need a weapon to do it. You can just crash something that's going really, really fast into the surface of an asteroid
0: and get a similar effect. There's been a lot of sort of science fiction, but also kind of not science fiction talk about just how many resources are available uh, in asteroids, uh, rare metals, uh, other really expensive materials that are really hard to find on Earth. And people have been at least tangentially talking about bringing them in Earth orbit so we can mine them. Is that at all part of kind of the similar conversation around these types of technologies? There have actually been missions to go explore the surface of
1: asteroids. And prove that we can take material from the surface of an asteroid and bring it back, like the OSIRIS-REx mission. And what you were saying about bringing these asteroids into Earth's orbit so that we can effectively mine them, I think it's something that's actually going to end up happening. There's estimates that in just the asteroid belt, there's like trillions of dollars worth of material from heavy metals, platinum and gold and all these kinds of other precious metals that are difficult to get on Earth. So the ability to get to those asteroids and then do something with them we've showed it with osiris rex we now shown that we can get to an asteroid mind you crash into it with dart but yeah i think all of these types of technologies we're developing for these missions can
0: definitely progress us towards asteroid mining okay and then so for asteroid mining and as well as just asteroids that we want to redirect where are most of them coming from because a lot of people know that we have an asteroid belt in the solar system between Mars and Jupiter. Are these mostly coming from there, like stray asteroids from the belt? Or are they coming from deep space? Like, wh- where are they arriving kind of, to our solar system from, at least the ones that are a threat? So the asteroid belt is a pretty stable place. They're existing between Mars and Jupiter, and
1: they'll just continue to orbit there. A lot of these objects, though, that come into the inner solar system that pose a threat to Earth, They originated within our solar system, but they're long period objects. So that means that they have orbits that are not normal. So for the most part, all of the planets orbit in nearly circular orbits around the sun. But there's a lot of things that have really weird shaped elliptical orbits. And that's where a lot of these asteroids that are problematic come from. So they're objects that were formed at the same time as our solar system, but just never settled into a nice circular orbit like the planets.
0: You mentioned that word a couple of times, period, and I believe you're referring to an orbital period. Can you define what that means for people who don't have a background in astrophysics? For sure. So an orbital period is the amount of time that it takes an object to
1: orbit another object. So the orbital period of Earth, for example, is one Earth year. That's the amount of time it takes us to go around the sun. So depending on what objects you're looking at, that will define your orbital period. So Earth is one year around the sun, Dimorphous
0: was about 11 hours around Didymus. So it's basically just how long does it take you to go around something? Okay, and so what's the significance of changing the orbital period of the asteroid that we were targeting? So if
1: we were to take an object that's coming towards Earth, it's going to have some kind of orbital period around the Sun, and its orbit will just happen to make it crash into Earth. So changing something's orbital period means that you've changed its orbital path. And changing its orbital path basically means that you've changed where it's going to be in space whenever Earth is there. So if we had an asteroid coming towards Earth that was problematic, if we change its orbital
0: period, that's enough to make sure that we are safe from it. So what's the next step? from this mission? Like what comes after DART? Are we just going to keep hurling like really, really expensive pieces of technology at asteroids until we get good enough at it, then we can just kind of call it a day?
1: So there's the follow-up European mission that I mentioned, Hera. And I think that once we've demonstrated a couple missions that we can do this, I think a lot more effort is going to go towards detection. So there's those two missions coming up, the NASA and the European mission to Launch satellites that are basically dedicated to scanning the sky for asteroids that will be harmful to us. And I don't know how many more technology demonstration missions will go on. I don't know if there will even be that many because we've shown that DART is hugely successful. So it might just be we have DART in our back pocket in case something comes up that we need to redirect. Or maybe if there's a huge technological leap and we show that, you know, like a space based laser is able to. Melt a small section on the asteroid and that causes it to redirect its orbit i could imagine that maybe we'll see a demonstration mission of something like that but
0: after the dart mission and the upcoming european one i don't think we'll see too many more of these hypothetically if we do a few more of these missions and we find out that this method isn't as effective as we'd like it to be and this isn't viable for the kinds of asteroids coming towards Earth what's our alternative? Like, is anyone actually training for like a Bruce Willis style space mission to go and land on an asteroid and deal with it that way? I don't think so. I don't know for sure. You know, there's a lot of secretive stuff going on out there. But as
1: far as I know, we do not have a Bruce Willis style mission of send a bunch of miners to the moon to plant a nuke that will then go off and save humanity. But people are pretty smart. And when there's an actual crisis that would be impacting the entire world, I would hope that we would all be able to come together, regardless of nation, regardless of identity, and put all of our collective effort towards solving this real existential problem. So maybe it's that we launched that nuke at the asteroid and it imparts more energy and changes the orbit more, or maybe there's some new sci-fi technology that comes out that saves us. But I think that if we have enough warning, we'll be able to save ourselves from any potential asteroid threats.
0: Mitch, thanks so much for lending your expertise to us today. If our listeners want to know more about DART, where should they go? NASA has so many
1: resources available on their website. I would also go to YouTube and just Google NASA DART. You can see the videos of these impacts happening. You see the images that were taken. There's a lot of really cool stuff out there, and I think that everybody should go take a look at all the
0: information that's been put out there by NASA and their collaborators about this mission. Again. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you again, dear listener, for tuning in. And remember to subscribe for more conversations and insightful answers to your questions about the science impacting our world. If you want to learn more about DART, asteroids, or any of the other topics we've talked about on this show, visit us on Instagram or TikTok at Sci4Everyone and on our website at ScienceForEveryone.ca.
1: On the Sidelines is a podcast by Science for Everyone. It's produced by Miriam Benmoussa, Sam Marchetti, and Connor Nelson, and edited by Jay Jarantonis.